Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey podcast listeners, today I want to talk about if I were trying to recover today, like let's say I had an episode I binged and purged today, was back in bulimia which would be weird because we're like, what happened? How did, the, how, did, how did things go south so fast? But that happened. What would I do? You know, what would the, what would the, be this, the first action steps I'd take? And I think I'm going off of what I would tell clients immediately and usually what I work on with clients initially and then what I do with myself. So this buckle up, take some notes and try one of these things at the very least, but I hope that this helps you. The first thing that I would do is just start journaling daily on what I wanted to work towards in recovery and what was going on. I probably would do um, just a thought dump firstly in the morning of what kind of doubts and worries are going through my head. And then I would, I would write, you know, what are we, what do we want to focus on today? And then hopefully that what one of the things that we want to focus on is recovery. And then I would probably try to pick one action item to work on today and remember at the top of the forefront of my brain and keep focus on that. And I find the daily journaling, daily journaling, my goals, that sort of stuff has been paramount to my success and achieving my goals and whatever I want. Because if I don't write it down, I don't know about you guys, but my brain cannot keep track of anything. So if it's not written down. I have like a whole wall of sticky notes beside me that I keep track of things. Like it has my clients on there, has my weekly projects, things I should be doing, numbers, everything to keep track of. So it's not immediately in front of my face, I'm going to forget about it, which is why journaling and to-do lists have been so vital for me. And maybe that's a weakness. But anyway, if I were trying to recover again, I would be journaling about that in the morning and maybe in the afternoons when I was at my biggest struggle time, I'd schedule in journal, um, regardless of whether you binge and purge, what's going on. One of my clients, what's helped her a lot is focusing on journaling just what's happening around her when she's having an urge, uh, what the urge feels like, what convinced her what went down and then what happened afterwards. And from that, from doing that consistently for about two weeks, she's found out a lot of information and was able to pause sooner and able to stop binges before they happen because the level of awareness that she builds just from journaling alone in the evenings, which is her trigger time. So first things first, I would journal in the morning, probably journal in the evening. It'd be more excessive journaling than usual, but I feel like if you are struggling with bulimia, you probably need to do a bit more of that initially so that you can be aware. The second thing I would do is focus on the pause method. So I would just try to pay attention to, okay, when am I actually having the binge urges? What's going on? And then what are my early warning signs to where I can just pause and take inventory instead of immediately reacting to the urge and see why I'm binging, what's convincing me, what are the thoughts, what are the feelings? So I'd focus really hardcore on pausing for a bare minimum of two minutes. And then I would also tell myself, you can totally binge if you want to afterwards. I would not beat myself up for it. I would say you can do whatever you want, but we need to pause initially and take, if we're going to binge, we need to binge on purpose rather than just binge because we think it's because of the urge or because we have no control because that doesn't help anyone. It just leaves you powerless. So I would focus hardcore on the pause method and probably my journaling that I talked about, I would 
write about, you know, when do we want to pause? What does the pause entail? What's our protocol? And if we didn't pause, why didn't we pause? And I'd ask myself questions like that. <clears throat> I would also look at my nutrition. That's another thing I do and think, is there some restrictions going on here? Are there some thoughts around food? Is there scarcity around food? What about the food is happening? If if it were, like if I were restricting, restricting and that was causing the binging and purging, I would take off restrictions and stuff like that. I just started work with a new client and we made it so that her minimum, her bare minimum is 2000 calories. And I had that because, you know, she's tracking her calories. Usually a lot of my clients don't track calories and I don't recommend it. But for those that do, we usually just kind of go with it and we're like, okay, you can track calories, but we need a bare minimum because you don't want to be combining weight loss and recovery at the same time. It's just not helpful. So I would take off any restrictions or calorie limits around myself. I probably would, um, if I'm being honest, remove binge foods from the house and just stick with safe foods that I felt comfortable around until I could get behaviors under control for about one to two weeks and then branch out into something I call like a fun food exercise or whatever, fear food exercise, um, where I'd experiment with having more of those foods that are a bit more daring for me, binge foods, trigger foods. But initially I'd probably remove binge foods from the house, just make it as easy as possible for myself, have safe foods and make sure I was nourishing myself properly, but I'd probably take away temptation for a temporary amount of time. That isn't always the case, but that is what I did initially. So I don't want to be lying about that, even though some people would say that's restrictive. I think days of abstinence from binging and purging initially is probably more important than trying to have all your binge foods at the same time. But it's a personal choice, but that's what I would do. Um, and I also, if I was tracking calories, I'd probably stop tracking calories. I'd stop weighing myself daily if that's what I was doing and it was triggering me. It just, I would try to get my mind off of food as much as possible and just focus on getting better. Uh, another thing I would do is I would probably tell my boyfriend and I would tell my family. And I didn't tell my family initially, but I think I regret doing that in some ways, even though they wouldn't be entirely helpful. But I think the more honest I was about what was going on, the harder it was for me to hide from myself and then pretend like everything was okay. And it made me a little bit more responsible for my actions. So this time around, if I found myself struggling with bulimia again, I would immediately tell my boyfriend and um, probably my close friends and family, just so they knew what was going on. It could be in the loop and I could feel less alone and less in crisis and maybe ask them for support if I needed it. I also would probably seek the help of a professional support group and probably get one-to-one coaching, get some sort of private support. If something had happened that had caused the bulimia recovery, like some sort of trauma, maybe it would seek therapy depending on the situation. I don't think because my bulimia wasn't so severe that I would need treatment, but that is an option for some people. But depending on what's going on with you, you have to make the decision for yourself. But I would seek some level of external support that wasn't from my family or uh, or boyfriend, because even though family members and stuff, they are incredibly supportive, it's helpful to have an objective source to go to that's going to give you advice, hold space for you, and know usually the right things to say that's been there before. So I'd seek the guidance of professional support as well as friends and family. Okay, and then the last thing I would do um, is I would fill my head with stories of people who have recovered and also people who are doing other cool things. Something that was helpful in my own recovery process that I did about six months before I binge and purge for the last times, I started listening to stories of people who started their own businesses, who were paralyzed from the waist down and rebuilt their lives. Just fun and not fun. <laughs> I'm try trying to use people's sob stories as entertainment, but you know, inspiring stories 
of people that are capable of doing more that I wouldn't thought possible because filling your head with recovery stories, that's good because it's giving yourself evidence that it's possible. But I feel like the motivation for me to recover wasn't, it couldn't just be being normal with food alone. It had to be something bigger, like having a job that I really loved or doing, having, being happier, just being, feeling better was motivating to me. So filling my head with stories constantly of people that were doing really cool shit was helpful for my recovery. And I would do that again. I mean, I always, I usually listen to at least one podcast per day or every other day of people that I look up to just to hear what they're doing and get wisdom from them. So I, I already do that now, but I would do it hardcore <laughs> if I were struggling with bulimia again. And I'd recommend that you do the same thing. Those are all things that I would do. And I'd recommend, I wouldn't just immediately recommend all those things to a client, but those are things that we kind of discuss as time goes on and more specific things like certain behaviors are doing around food and that sort of stuff. But if I had to, in one day, kind of start changing things around, those are the things I would pick. Hey, podcast listeners, this is actually Jacqueline from the future slash past. Um, I was editing this podcast that you're listening to now, and I just had a few follow-up thoughts, things I wish I would have added uh, in hindsight. So one, I briefly mentioned this, but when I mentioned getting therapy, it reminded me of, oh yeah, what caused the relapse? So something I also would have done immediately after the relapse is, first of all, define why I'm calling it a relapse. Was it just one episode? Was it multiple episodes? Why am I defining it as a relapse? And then define why it happened and get out of confusion as soon as possible. And I'm saying that because I see a lot of people spend a, a butt ton of time being confused about why they're in bulimia, why they've spent so much time in it, and why they're still doing it. And that is, it, it's a valid thing to ask, and it makes sense. And sometimes there's trauma that's caused it, sometimes it's restriction, usually it's a combination of many different things. It's usually not just one thing that was like, that was the event that caused bulimia. It's a culmination. But people then constantly want to go back to, but why, but why, but why? I think you just want to take a certain set amount of time. And I mean, like, unless it's some deep rooted trauma or abuse or something that you need more help to process with, decide for an hour, you know, what do you think caused the relapse? Go through all the reasons that you think that caused the relapse and then be done with that. And just be like, this is what caused it. So that you don't waste time while you're doing all of the things I talked about saying, but why did this happen? How could I have fallen down again? You could be like, that's why. That's when I work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, one of the first things I help them with, because they'll still say those things to me. They'll be like, I just don't know why. Like, why did I binge and purge today? And I'm like, this is why. The things that you just told me. You hadn't eaten all day. You were sleep deprived. Your husband got up early and woke you up. You guys just had a fight. These things happen. And then you started eating in the kitchen and then you thought just one more. And then these thoughts specifically led to the binge. I tell them what happened. Not because I'm trying to be harsh or trying to be almost like, oh, stop being confused and having a pity party. I just want them to get out of confusion and get to the more productive thinking, which is how can you take action from this place? And I find when you don't answer and make a decision, because you could be wrong on your guess as to why it happened, it just, you keep circling back. So you just want to make your best assumptions, decide, and unless reasons come up that lead you to believe you weren't correct. Don't think about it anymore. Don't waste time asking yourself why. Just focus on the now. The other thing that I was thinking about while I was editing through it, I was actually washing dishes while I was listening to the podcast to edit it, which is an amazing hack. I hate just sitting there and editing podcasts. Eventually I'll hire out for that. But 
I just put on my headphones and I'll go wash dishes and I have a hair mistake. I will go back, edit it out and then go back to washing dishes. Anyway, <laughs> the other thing I noticed was talking about the pausing and things like that, but I didn't really talk about the mindset I would have if I went through a relapse. And something that's crucial about this that wouldn't happen before is that I had, if it were me specifically, I'm just using myself as an example, if I relapsed today, I would have a completely different mindset going into it than I did when I struggled with bulimia initially, almost four years ago now, I believe. So that person didn't really know what was going on, didn't have any belief that she could do it. The person that binge and purged today, though, if she relapsed today, she would have all this evidence of, I'm a coach, though. I help people. I've been recovered for four plus years. What's going on? How could this be the case? Oh, my God. I would have a whole different set of doubts than I did back then. And so the reasons why I was recovering and the reasons I believed in myself and how to rebuild that belief would be different than what I was thinking back then. And this, for you guys that have recovered and then relapsed, recovered and then relapsed, this is something that is going to be helpful to you is every time you go through the journey, you find new things along the way. So I would be searching for, okay, why am I obviously capable and why did this happen and what did we miss that led up to this? that we need to be aware of what new lesson are we learning here that we didn't necessarily know last time. And maybe this lesson doesn't even have to be super complicated. It's that, you know, we were restricting a little bit and we weren't taking care of ourselves and that's what led into it. And we just need to look out for more in the future. It, it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be this deep rooted issue where you're just always an addict and you're always going to go back to behaviors and you can never fully recover. I'm not saying that. I mean, maybe that is part of it, but hopefully you don't jump to that conclusion. Look for the simplest low-hanging fruit first, but I would, if I relapsed today, I would try to be like, well, wait, why did that happen? Which is what we were talking about before. Make my best assumption and then try to find new beliefs and make sure I'm looking out for that in the future. So I didn't, I wouldn't just be like, oh, because I relapsed after recovery for so long, it means that I wasn't truly recovered. And I wouldn't dismiss all of my recovery. I wouldn't say, well, now you, you probably weren't actually recovered for those four years. I fully own that identity. I don't care if I binged and purged all day today, which I don't see why that would happen, but if I did, I'd still own that recovery as legitimate because I was recovered. I felt good and I felt like I was done with my eating disorder and then something led me back to it. It wasn't like I was just inherently bulimic and, and destined to go back to it and all that recovery was a lie. So I wouldn't do that to myself either. Anyway, so those are the final thoughts I wanted to say on that. Uh, we just did our group coaching call today, our free group coaching call for that I am trying to offer monthly. So thank you guys that showed up to that. That was really interesting. Someone asked a good question about pausing and how to actually do it because they struggle to in the moment. And someone was like, well, I pause, but it doesn't really work. And we found that she was just, she was kind of doing a rolling stop at a stop sign, right? She was pausing, but not really. She was just kind of like, meh, she didn't fully pause and stop and take a moment to decide. So we talked about all the different ways you could pause and that sort of stuff. If you were on the call, you'll get the replay. If you weren't on the call, unfortunately, I don't give the replay out to people that it weren't on the call because I don't, and I don't post it on the podcast because those people 
they didn't sign up for that. You know, it just feels a little too public. But if you want to join the next call, the best way to get alerted as soon as possible is just be on my mailing list. And the ways you can do that is if you join my course or if you join my free course or uh, join any of my free challenges, those are ways you can get on the mailing list really easily if you're not already on there. And then you'll be notified next month when our uh, free coaching calls happening, usually a week in advance. And then lastly, for those of you guys that find the podcast really helpful, but you find that you're not making the amount of progress you want to, I want to invite you to book a consult with me and consider joining my six-month recovery coaching program. I have a group coaching program and a private coaching program. The private, the main people always ask me, what's the difference between the private coaching and the group coaching and what's the best fit for me? One of the determining factors is budget. So if you're on a really, really tight budget and you don't want to commit to a bigger investment upfront, then the group coaching is excellent. However, I don't want you to think just because the group coaching is less costly, it's not great. I keep it low cost because it's an excellent program and people deserve to get recovery advice no matter what and, and support no matter what, um, what budget that they have. So that's why that's out there. And it's an excellent program where you can get weekly group coaching directly from me, get a Facebook support system and also ask questions and get a course that tells you step-by-step step how to pause, how to intuitively eat, etc. So that's an excellent resource. And we have a pri private podcast, all that sort of stuff. And we're doing a workshop next week on how to fully be recovered. It's just awesome. But the private coaching is excellent. Um, on, for the people that feel like they can't guide themselves and need direct one-on-one -on -one support. And I feel like everyone needs the experience of having a one-on-one -on -one coach at least once in their life. I invest in private coaching consistently because it helps me each week stay focused on my goals, understand my blind spots, and get keep moving in the direction that I want to with less drama and um, not waste my mind on stuff that's really low level and not helping me towards my goals. So that's why I invest in one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm a part of groups. I think they're both beneficial, but if you can only, you know, afford one or if you are on a budget, go with a group coaching. But if you need direct one-to-one -one support and you feel like, now I think I need someone at least initially in recovery, sitting down with me each week, telling me what my blind spots are, helping me work towards my goals and showing me solutions and then talking about obstacles to, that are I'm going to experience throughout the week and how to surpass those obstacles. That is literally what I do with my clients. Every week we sit down and we talk about, okay, how did last week go? Cool. Talk about anything that we need to review there, any lessons that need to be learned, celebrate the wins, talk about the losses, and then we talk about what are your goals for this week, keeping in mind the long-term goals that they've told me beforehand. Then we talk about what do they want to do in order to reach those goals? What obstacles are going to get in the way? What circumstances, what lack of beliefs do they have? What thoughts? And then we talk about the action items. We set a plan for them and then they go on their way. And then they can talk with me throughout the week. It's a cool process that everyone should get a chance to experience. So if you want that experience and you want to work with me and you love my freaking podcast and you're just not quite making the results that you want, it's probably because you're just not implementing the topics and private coaching is good for that. I have four spots available for private coaching for the month of April. I usually come up with some sort of offer each month, but right now I had just my six month recovery program and there's only four spots available, which is pretty exciting, but I only take on a certain amount of clients for certain for specific reasons. So if you would like to join me for that, you can book a consult at my website at bingebreakers.com and we'll discuss same thing that I used to do with my clients. What challenges are coming up for you? What are your goals? What are the potential solutions you can do 
to reach those goals, whether you work with me or not. And then we'll talk about whether private coaching is a good fit, any hesitancy ha- hesitancies or worries you have about it. And then ultimately, if you feel like it's a good fit, we will proceed with coaching. If you don't feel like it's a good fit, you can tell me and you can move on your way and it's still a valuable call. Other than that, I'll let you guys go. Yay for April. It's really warm here now, which is nice. I think there's a cold front coming in again, but oh, it's been so good. I bought a box of chalk. I'm doing this. I'm supposed to, I have to make this t-shirt for my race. I don't have to, but I want to, that says fuck bulimia on it. I'm going to run with it for my 10k race, which is happening this week. Super exciting. But I, I wanted to make a t-shirt to not only just kind of say fuck you to bulimia and really break the stigma. Um, it's going to have, I think, a toilet on it as well, which is very in your face, very triggering people. But the reason I want to do it is because I just want to be like, yeah, I struggle with bulimia recovered. You can do it too. So I want to make that sign on my back with the shirt. So I bought a screen printing thing. The whole reason I'm telling you this, I bought a screen printing kit. My friend from art school advised me to do. And th- while I was there and while I was at the checkout line at Michael's, I saw this big box of colorful chalk and it was only five dollars and had lots of bright colors in it and I was like right outside my door is a sidewalk I kind of and it's getting warmer out I kind of want to make chalk drawings like I did as a kid oh my gosh and so I bought it and I've been doing little drawings outside my door (laughs) of beautiful little chalk drawings one's a flower one just says today is a good day which is the quote from my headband I got from Disney the Winnie the Pooh ears. It says on the side of it, which I think is a Winnie the Pooh quote of today is a good day. So all my neighbors have to see it when they walk by. It's fun, uh, but that's been good. So I'm going to do more of those this weekend. My parents are coming up to see the race. I feel very prepared for the race. I can't believe that I can run a 10K and it's not a big deal now. I'm still pretty slow, but uh, my pace has improved. I think my pace for the race will be somewhere between 11 minutes to 11.30 minutes for the whole race, which is pretty cool. And um, other than that, things are moving forward. So yeah, I, I I didn't expect this episode to be so long or to talk this much to my little edit that I wanted to add, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll talk to you guys later. Um, thank you so much for listening. Never give up on yourself, my friend. Bye. Hey, if you found this episode helpful, check out my website at bingebreakers.com. It has free courses, awesome group coaching and private coaching available to you right now.